Are we gonna do what they say can be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm East Bound, just watch no bandit run. Hey guys, welcome back to Bayou Chronicles. This is your host, Crystal. And I'm Bethany. I guess we're both hosts. I just say hosts. Hosts. Okay. Hostess with the mostest. Yeah. So, we are back with a local case, local to the Shreveport area uh, case this week. Should be a, as Bethany just called it, a no-brainer, uh, but... We'll let you decide, and you can tell us what you think. You can let us know on our Instagram, Bayou underscore Chronicles, or you can give us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there's any case that you want to hear us do. Um, but other than that, you have anything else you want to say to the good people? Um, yeah, like Crystal said, this was a no-brainer. Um, but, yeah, we'll... We'll dive on into it. Yeah, we'll get straight to the point. No chatter chatter today. Um, I do want to say with this one, if you do have any information about this case, since it is a local case, please reach out to the Shreveport Police Department. Granted, they kind of dropped the ball on this case, but... Yeah, I don't know if I would call them just my honest opinion. But, I mean, yes, if you do have information, please find somebody to contact that you trust with your information. So, just a warning, the story today is going to talk about some domestic violence situations. So, viewer discretion is advised. Um, a lot of my sources today came from the local news, KSLA, um, a couple of different articles. Um, someone actually did, all oh, True Crime Daily actually did a little mini documentary on this case. Mm-hmm. And then the daughter of our victim, Denisa, or not Denisa, is it a Denisa? You are right, you're right, okay. it is Denisa. Okay, because I kept wanting to say it wrong, so I'm sorry. Denisa, um, she actually posted on Web Sleuths a while back. Um, and then last but not least, I listened to another podcast called Impact Statements. and just got a few things, and um, it was cool just to hear about the case in Denisa's own on, on voice. Mm-hmm. But our story really starts um, in 1969, um, a young New Orleans native um, named Martha would meet Dennis Morgan, who's actually from here in Shreveport. Uh, This marriage would eventually cause her to relocate to the area. And soon after they married, they ended up having three kids. Barbie, Denisa, and Dennison. And yes, they did name two of their three kids after Dennis. Yes, which they don't mention the, the other daughter yeah, they don't really as much that. in all the research that I did. Yeah, same here. But I still just think it's very weird slash narcissistic that he would name two of his kids after him. But that's a whole other story. Anyway, so soon after that, the marriage ended up turning into basically a domestic violence nightmare. Denisa claims at an early age that her father was both mentally and physically abusive. Not only to her mother, but to the kids. She remembers her father 
using his hands, belts, anything that he could get his hands on to beat Martha. Um, he would even go as far as ripping her clothes off and hitting her in the head with the items such as vases or whatever he could get his hands on. Martha tried several times to leave, but something always prevented it prevented it from happening. Um, in their case, it was financial. Um, Dennis had a history of bankruptcy, and their lives were just so financially intertwined that, unfortunately, it made it really hard for her to leave with three kids and take them and support them, which, unfortunately, happens to a lot of women. Um, which is why battered women shelters are such a necessity, and there's not as many because um, I think a lot of women would would try to get away if they had, I don't know, a sanctuary to go to. Oh, yeah. If they had somewhere that they knew they would be taken care of in the end, mm-hmm. help getting their life back together. Exactly. And not have to worry about money for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. We could get a lot of people out of situations. Uh, according to Dennison, his father also abused the children. Um, Dennison himself had broken bones caused by his father and he also um dennis also threatened to kill them and martha several times over the year so this was not a happy childhood this was not a happy loving tv show family this was every day was a nightmare for these kids and this wife it should also be noted that martha was a phenomenal woman Um, Her daughter makes mention of the fact that Martha spoke Spanish fluently, took care of shelter dogs. She was always doing something, some type of arts and crafts, or taking care of one of her five grandchildren. She, She was a great grandmother, a great woman, and in my opinion, something horrible happened to her. I don't think this was her undoing. In 2011, Martha was preparing to leave and divorce Dennis once and for all. She was done. She started saving money for a divorce when she suspected that Dennis was actually having an affair. And I'm pretty sure she was right. Like, after researching this case, if he wasn't, I'd be very surprised. On the morning of February the 19th, just a few days after her birthday, Dennis claims that he left home around 9 a.m., went to the local library, and then to the ATM. He claims that he returned home around noon, proceeded to rake the leaves and tend to the yard. When Dennis returned into the house, he started calling out for Martha, and when she didn't answer, he started looking for her. Once he got to the bedroom, he found the door hard to open as if something was blocking it from the other side. Dennis forced the door open and found Martha face down on the floor dead. At this point, he claims he called 911. I'm going to play a little audio clip right now of the 911 call, and I want you to tell me, obviously on Instagram or wherever, um, tell us what you think about this call. Nine one one. What's your emergency? I don't know. My wife just committed suicide. She committed suicide. Okay, I'm gonna get. Listen, sir, can you talk to me, please? Are you in there with her? My wife. Oh, my wife. Ah. Did you see her do it? Oh. Did you see her do it
No, ma'am. Okay. I've been gold and I come in and I took my dog out and went out and rake leaves. Uh-huh. And I went in my room, go lay down for a few minutes, and my wife's on the floor. Can you tell what she did to herself? Oh, I don't know. Oh, she's bloody all over. Oh, she's done. You don't need to rig my mortgage or whatever. I can't even turn her over. My God, I don't even see a gun in us. I don't know what she did. <laughs> okay, so what's your first reaction of that call, Bethany, when you heard it? Um, Very dramatic. It felt very staged. It, so, it felt like he sat there and thought about what he wanted to say before he even dialed it. It just it didn't feel genuine. I, I tried, which I hope I never have to go through this, but I tried when I was... Even any research that we do when there's a 911 call, I try to put myself in their shoes. Like, maybe how would I be feeling? What would I be saying? Would I be crying? Would I be in shock? But it just... I don't know. It just didn't feel genuine. It like he could probably care less. He just wanted to sound like the very concerned spouse. But I don't know. It didn't come off that way. Yeah, so personally, I thought the screaming is just way too much. Like and it didn't make sense. The one thing that jumped out is he automatically said suicide. Yes. Like he didn't like you, are you really thinking that nobody came into your house and killed your wife? Like, your first thought is suicide? That's exactly what I thought. So, that's what I actually wrote in my notes. I was like, he immediately said that he she killed himself. Well, if he had been home for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. didn't hear a gunshot. I had that in my notes. Like, would you not hear? Like, even if you're raking leaves. Raking leaves is not very loud. No. You're right in your backyard, and your bedroom is pretty close to the backyard. You would hear... Yes. That clearly. Very well. So for him to just automatically assume that, like, even if I walked in and found someone dead on the floor, unless it literally looked like a suicide, like something that was a no-brainer of a suicide, Mm -hmm. I cannot just say, oh, they killed themselves. Pills. Like, I think in that instant... Okay, maybe they took it. Like, nobody's going to break into your house and force pills down yes. your throat. But this incident, and also another thing I thought of was the neighbors were home because I'm sure you're going to talk mm-hmm. about that. They describe him being home. Why didn't they hear anything? Yeah. I just, or the fact that he says when they asked him, like, what happened, and he said he didn't know. He didn't see any. Like, he didn't see how she could have killed herself. Like, well, then why would you automatically assume that she killed herself if you haven't known anything? He says that very clearly on the 911 call. It, like, come, the operator is trying to help him the best they can, and he just blurts out, I think she killed herself. Okay, all right. No evidence, nothing to back that up. Just right off the bat, you already sound suspicious to me. Like, right then, I already, I already felt like this guy did it. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because when I heard it, I thought the same thing. As soon as I heard the screaming, I'm like, why are you screaming like that? Like, you're screaming so high-pitched. And you're talking about your wife being in rigor mortis. Like, what does that matter? Like, why are you thinking about your wife being in rigor mortis? That was odd when for him to mention. It was so weird. Now, I totally get that every single person reacts different yeah. in a 911 call. It's always going to be different for everyone. But him mentioning rigor mortis feels like he did research first, so he knew what to say. Because normal yeah. people, normal people, when you're making a 911 call for somebody, how often do they do they mention rigor mortis? 
Very rarely. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, I can't turn her over. I think she's gone into rigor mortis. Okay, well, if she's hard to move and you can't turn her over, just say that. Say that. Just say, I can't turn her over. It, we might be overanalyzing it, but we also do a lot of research for these episodes. But let's, for you listening, for you guys listening, you're an everyday person and you're listening to the, you just listen to that clip with us. That's got to feel weird. Now think about how you would have made that call. I hope you never have to make this call. We're going to be fumbling our words. We're going to be we're going to be absolutely out of our minds. Mm-hmm. Um I me, probably not my husband because he does work in the medical field. But like this dude, we know he's not working in the medical field. We know he's not the sharpest crayon in the box. That was that felt very staged. He did his research and he uh, how did they not see this? I don't know. But anyways, I digress. Yeah. So, when the first responders got to the home, the the Morgan home, Martha was found on the floor in front of the door. She was face down and had a single gunshot wound to the chest and a small laceration on the head. Shreveport coroner Todd Toma, um... This dude, I just want to say this dude's a jerk. I didn't okay. like him in my research. So, I wrote jerk by his name. I know. He is a jerk. Uh, this is <laughs> like, he. It felt very sexist. Let, very... Me, let me just say, this is totally off topic. But when we had to wait a really long time for my father's autopsy report, this is the guy that I was angry at already so when i saw his name again i was like i already don't oh, like so you he you're act- already a so jerk. he actually did your dad's autopsy yeah oh my god so I... he so he was already a jerk in my opinion because it took us forever to get the stuff that we needed from him because they kept like playing the shuffleboard game which shout out to crime daily because out of all the research and all the sources i used like i love their their yeah. little mini documentary and their little like excerpt on him like i just <sighs> i couldn't help roll my eyes because he just basically kept saying well she was a battered woman it's clearly obvious that she offed herself okay how many times do people kill themselves like commit suicide by gunshot very How many times do women? Women. Okay, that's another thing. Men, yes. A lot of the times women, women don't kill themselves that way. And we're not going to shoot ourselves in the chest. A lot of the times when people kill, it's the head, head people. It's the head people. All right. No, I I don't know. You got to do better to report because <laughs> this guy, like, and now knowing that he did your dad's, like, I just felt like this guy was very sexist. He just didn't care. I, Apparently, it doesn't, I don't like the way he looks, to be honest, but we're, we're going to be... I don't know. It was just like, oh, she got beat up a little bit. It makes sense that she killed herself. Who says that? You're supposed to be helping people and helping families find closure. And, exactly. Uh, anyways. So, oh, look, my husband's online. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, Todd Toma claimed that the laceration actually came from Dennis forcing the door open to get to Martha. Experts that Denissa has been in contact with disagree with this finding. Due to the blood on her forehead, like the amount of blood on her forehead, uh, and in her hair, they believe that it happened, it's more likely that it happened from her being hit across the head with the butt of a gun. The coroner insists that it happened post-mortem because there would have been a lot more blood if it happened when she was alive. Which... Yeah, makes sense. But according to Denissa, she says that there was 
actually quite a bit of blood and that the they have photo evidence yeah there's like blood spatter all over the rim i mean i yes. i looked it up on the internet you can look I don't, this made me feel like i could be a coroner yes because this dude just like wrote whatever in his notes and called it a day i feel like the official theory of what happened is that martha sat on a bed and she shot herself the bullet did not kill her right away and she just dropped the gun on the floor. Martha then moved to the edge of the bed, and from there she eventually clap- collapsed face first onto the floor, laying on top of the gun, blocking and blocking the door from being open. Now, there are some holes in this narrative that Denise, Denissa and her experts are super quick to point out, and I think they are incredibly valid. The first being is that, according to the autopsy report, Martha was on her back when she died. Mm-hmm. Um, when she passed and the blood started to succumb to gravity and starts the process of lividity, um, in the autopsy report, it's reported that the lividity is post-lateral, meaning that it, it was on her back. Um, however, all the crime scene photos, first responders, and even the 911 call all point to her being face down. And in the 911 call, Dennis even says that he couldn't move her because she had gone into rigor mortis. So if she was hard to move because she'd gone into rigor mortis, lividity happened on her back. Why is everybody claiming that? And she's on her chest when they get there. Supposedly she slumped onto the door. That's why he couldn't open. Which that was odd to me because why are you ramming the door like that? Like, okay, I have children, and sometimes they put toys in front of the door that I can't open. I reach my hand through the opening to feel what's there. Why didn't he feel through the crack? And if you only have so much room in between, like, the door threshold and opening the door, why are you doing it so hard that supposedly you gave your wife blunt force trauma to the back of the head? Okay, so even if he did that... Even if that is the toy, that she's is not the gonna, truth. She's not going to be on her she, stomach. Yeah, and she's laying on the ground on her stomach blocking the door. At what point was she on her back? At, at what point? If she's on her stomach away from the door, then her feet would be up against the door. That would be making it so she would have never gotten blunt force trauma from the top of her head. Yeah. So that's, I don't know, doing this research, none of this made none sense. None of it makes sense. To suicide at all. No. None of it. Too, no. many, too many empty spots, and they were trying to just fill it up with mm-hmm. whatever they could. Mm-hmm. When you when it's not that hard to actually test and do scenarios. And, and I just have, like, a million questions because I'm sitting here thinking, if I can't get the door open, even I'm, if I can get it open a little bit and peek my head around, or if I peek my head in just enough that I see blood... I get that I would try to ram the door and open it because I want to try to get in to see what's going on because I want to see if I need to save someone. But if I was afraid that I was going to hurt them, I think, because I was thinking about this too, I would have probably tried to go look through the window Yeah. or get through the window. I don't know. I was just trying to think about it. Like, I wouldn't want to ram the door so hard that I was hurting whoever else was on the mm-hmm. other side of the door because I, this is why. I hear Zach's, Zach in the back of 
my head, which is my husband, because there's a lot of cases where, like when they go to a call and there's been a few times where they move them too quickly or the wrong way. And if they have any neck injuries, you can paralyze somebody mm-hmm. or you can actually kill them. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think, I was like, you know, possibly that your wife is on the other side of the door and you're just ramming the door into her as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. It just didn't make sense. Well, let's just say for the sake of giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's freaking out. Yeah. Let's say he's freaking out and he just slams open the door and hits her in the head. Let's just say that. Now let's continue with the rest of the info. So we mentioned before that he was an abusive prick. We know this. On the day of her death, according to autopsy photos and crime scene photos, Martha had strangulation marks on her neck, Mm -hmm. bruising on her hands as if she fought, um, and they were all across the tops of her hands and her knuckles, and she had bruises all on her face and her shoulder neck like shoulder neck back area isn't that i mean it's sad to say this which isn't that this isn't anything new she's known to have bruises co-workers have said she's came to work so that doesn't necessarily mean anything for the killing but i mean i mean it's gotta mean some kind of some kind of fight happened before exactly this happened um and i said even if they're not related to the death herself how can anyone He's still beating, in their right mind. He's still beating the crap out yeah, of her. Look at her body. Dead. See all this on her body and not second guess the fact that maybe this wasn't suicide. She very well could have committed suicide, but this woman literally has defensive wounds all over her. And they never once said... Let's, I, I even said that they had just taken a second to say, let's make sure that this wasn't a murder, murder a before we decide that it's a suicide. That's why I said Shreveport Police Department and obviously the coroner's office needs they to drop be busy. Because in all the research I did, not once did they say, well, let's look into this guy. It just always was suicide. Or we looked into the case again and still determined it's a suicide. How, though? Like, what piece of evidence are you holding back or not telling people that just makes the case for suicide? Because to me... There's nothing. There's even if it ends up being a suicide, it still like it still deserves. She still deserves to be looked at. He still pushed her to the point of where she yes she thought she had no other. If he wasn't in her life doing these things to her and strangling strangling her basically, or literally, she would have never killed herself. Which I'm not saying she did, but it never would have drove her there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the next hole in the case seems the most obvious to me. According to Denisa, Martha had large breasts. And this is relevant because of how she shot herself. <clears throat> yes. Um, yes, go um, on. Go on. So, per the coroner, she lifted up her shirt, <clears throat> because the gunshot wound was not through the shirt. She lifted up her shirt and her left breast with her right hand... And shot herself four to six inches away with her left hand at an upward angle. So if you have boobs and you're listening, just try and do that real quick. Just just try and do it. It is the most awkward thing. Especially if you're right hand dominant. 
like Martha was. Which, that one detail I felt weird. Okay, let's get into this mindset. I hope none of you ever get into this mindset. But let's get into the mindset that we're about to kill ourselves. We're about to shoot ourselves in the chest, which we've already said um, nobody does that. Very, yeah. very few people. Like, why, if I was there, why would I say, oh, I want to shoot, shoot myself. myself in the chest? I want to, I want to slowly bleed out for the next two to five minutes and have excruciating pain. No. Okay. You're in that mindset. Now, uh, well, I can't ruin this shirt. It's a yeah. new shirt. Let me just lift that up. No. That was, Come on, this is this is why I said this is a no-brainer. Why and why would I'm sorry, but if I had big, I do have big boobs. But why would I lift up my breast in order to shoot myself? Honestly, I would have shot through the titty, and I'm sorry if I say titty. I that's just what I say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would have shot through it. I don't know. Like there's there's, I wouldn't have cared about the shirt. I wouldn't have cared about me, my boob. I wouldn't have cared about anything. Just get me out of this life. Get me away from this psychopath that beats the crap out of me every day. We, me and Crystal, are not detectives. We are not coroners. And it's, like, literally clear as day. And apparently anybody who's, anybody can work at the street point, uh police department. I guess. Because, I mean, I was, literally when I was researching it, I was at work. And I was reenacting this motion. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if I have a finger gun and it's this awkward, imagine an actual gun. That's, and at an upward angle. That's just so awkward. Well, why? I just couldn't figure it out. I still don't understand. If someone could tell me. Uh, I'm, I'm am, I, am I missing something medically about. What's supposed to make this superior? And like, supposedly she was by the bed too. So I'm trying to figure out if blood is by the bed, if blood is all over the walls, how is she slumped over by the door? So I get that when she shot herself, she didn't die right away. And she has a blunt force trauma to the front of the head. She also does have one to the back of the head, but that's because her husband beat the crap out of her with the bedroom door. So how did she hit herself in the front of the head with the gun that is now on the ground because she shot herself? I have a million questions. A million questions. But, so according to Denisa in her post on Web Sleuths, which if, um, if you're not on Web Sleuths, I totally recommend it. It's like a true crime haven. It's literally every unsolved or solved case. People just talk about this stuff all the time. But she posted on there. Um, and one of her points that she uses to say that her father did commit this crime was the fact that she was told. So, I couldn't find anything, like, saying that this was 100%, mm -hmm. but this is just what she was told. Was that um, when someone is shot at close range, there is tattooing around the wound. Mm -hmm. And that at close range... When they're alive, that tattooing is an orange or reddish-brown color. And when someone is shot at close range when they're dead, that tattooing can be like a black or gray color. Mm -hmm. She claims that the tattooing around her mother's wound was like a black-gray color, signaling to her that her mom was shot once she was already dead. So, And see, that's automatically... When Crystal brought this up and I finally began my research, because I'll be honest, I procrastinated on this one because I was focusing 
on another episode without giving anything away a little more. Um, but when I finally got my act together, my ADHD, and sat down and started doing this research, I was like, the first thing that came to mind, I was like, I think this dude, it was a regular day, and he's like, I'm going to beat on my wife. I know that sounds really bad to say. And maybe this time went a little too far, and he actually hit her a little too hard, and she died. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, Oh, I gotta shoot her now or something. I gotta figure something out. She killed herself. Like something. So, so my theory is that they got into a big fight. He strangled her. Mm -hmm. She obviously punched back because she had bruises bruises, on her knuckles, and I think she died. And she was laying on her back. Mm -hmm. And I think that he needed a way to make this into a. Okay. Cover up. Now, and so now I think about it. When I mentioned window, if he put her up against the the door and couldn't get in, how to get out of the room? See, I thought about that too. I just thought about that, and I mentioned window, not even thinking about that earlier. So he had to go through the window, didn't they? Check that. So I thought about that, or I thought, depending on the way that she was, could it be something where he kind of like leaned her up against the window, or not the window, the door, door and then shimmied like, out, shimmied out, and could have. let it like locked himself in there. I think because I think even if y'all say that he is not the smartest person in the world, we'll pause it because that's going to be loud. Okay, so we had to stop for the. What do you call that? I don't even know what it's called. Um, that is revel. Yes. Never mind. Revelry. I'm yes. gonna, I say that wrong every night. Anyways. That's why I was going to make you say it because I knew I was going to say it wrong. America. It was going to be really loud and we didn't want you to have to hear it. So five, five o'clock on the dot. Sorry, guys. I have no idea where I was. So <laughs> if you're listening to this and there was a really weird transition, just know that I tried my hardest to edit it to make it seem seamless. I said, Crystal, stop it. Stop it. It's going to be too loud. <laughs> Oh, anyways, let's get back to it. <laughs> okay, so I don't know where we were, but um, as further proof that her father was involved, Denisa points to uh, crime scene photos that show Dennis's work shirt on the bedpost of the bed, and it is covering covered in blood. The arm of the shirt is, like, it's the right arm of the shirt is completely soaked in blood, and there's blood splatter all across the shoulder. She says that the shirt was never taken in as evidence and that her father told the police that he never changed clothes that day. Considering that this was a Saturday and he supposedly spent the morning at the library, why would he have his shirt on to get blood on it? Like, why would he even have it on? She also points to a bloody handprint on Martha's leg that was dried. If he tried to move her and then call 911, wouldn't that mean the blood would still be wet? Like, I get where she's coming from. A hundred percent. Blood's tricky. Yes, but blood is tricky. Blood is very thick. And for you guys listening, um, we're not phlebotomists. We're not experts on this. Um, But it's not like getting a paper cut and, you know, when a little drop of blood comes out and it dries instantly. This is a gunshot wound. There's a lot of blood. Blood mm-hmm. is thick. It takes a little bit to dry, and it's going to congeal. So, I... So, why would it be dry? Like, I, how, I like, feel like it would still kind of be fresh if you called. Yeah. Because when you call 911, they literally have a, a time frame that they need to report to that call. So, I'm, I'm fairly sure they got there pretty quickly. Yes. 
And so not to discredit her, but I do also have the question of how do we know that this blood was dried? Does it look dried from the pictures or do we 110%? Now, obviously she would know better than us. Um, I'm sure she went to the scene. And she and has, and she has literally every police report, every piece of evidence, every picture in her possession. So obviously she knows better. So I'm giving her complete benefit of the doubt. Now, as to the shirt, it makes zero sense for him to have the shirt on when he killed her to get blood on it. And the spot it's at, because if you look at the other crime scene photos. The shirt is on one side of the room and has blood, but there's also blood spattered all over the wall on the other side of the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you sh- when you're shot, yes, there's a lot of splatter, but it's it's not going to cover an entire room. Yes, it's not going to soak a sleeve in the blood and put spatter on it just a little bit further away. That just doesn't happen. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And I think it's important to. Make note of the fact that if you were to look this case up, the time of death for Martha is when the first responders arrived. That's her time of death. No one looked at her and took a liver temp and said, she died an hour ago, three hours ago, this morning. This call that happened at, like, 2 in the afternoon is her time of death. Which is odd because normally when the coroner arrives on scene, that's, like, the first thing they do is do a liver temp. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, shocker, guys, I don't think he did it. I don't think he even looked at her. I think he just picked her up. I think everybody just looked at this scene and said, oh, it's a suicide we don't have to do anything else. Because it's not, this is not a secret. Police have been called to their home before. They are known for domestic violence. So I think they just finally picked this lady up and was like, oh, well, mm-hmm. she killed herself. Let's just throw her in the back. And that's great that we treat other human beings like that. Yeah, it's awesome. So for legal reasons, I'm not saying the Shreveport police totally screwed up. But they screwed up. Crystal won't, but I, I will. You guys suck. Um, we are more than just punching bags, and this woman was literally crying out for help. And it was just, the first thought was, oh, she killed herself. I just, it's just hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that anyone... I don't know. I just, I can't imagine going into the scene and looking at it and thinking that's exactly what well, happened. Well, let's, re- let's call us a feminist if you want. Kiss our butts. Um, let's, re- let's reverse it. Say this is a man and he's found shot and his wife is calling 911. Y'all are going to say that she's psychotic and crazy and shot him it's not gonna be oh this poor man shot himself because he was tired of being beat up by his wife no y'all wouldn't and tell me i'm wrong tell me i'm wrong she's not wrong so it wasn't until a year after this crime which i'm calling it a crime this murder Mm -hmm. um that the gun 
was even tested for to check to see if it had been shot, to check for fingerprints. And guess what? There was absolutely no fingerprints on the gun. Not even Martha's. Because it makes 100% sense after you shoot yourself by lifting up your boob and shooting yourself. And slowly bleeding out and, and slowly pain. bleeding out. I'm going to grab something and wipe a gun down. Because that makes sense. Oh, man. Um, and they still to this day stand by that it's it's suicide. Yeah. Um, this is not even including the fact that neither Martha nor Dennis were ever tested for gunshot residue. You know, because you shoot, just because it looks like you shoot yourself, I'm just not going to test for gunshot residue. I just was under the assumption that even if you are working a call, so you work for the police department or you're CSI or your coroner, even if it's a suicide, I've, I I was under the impression that you still had to do a full report. Yeah. I thought you just had to investigate a scene as if it was suspicious to prove that it wasn't. Okay, how about we add on to the fact that, once again, the shirt that was covered in blood was not taken into evidence. I'm sorry, again, I would have taken it because it is covered in blood. Maybe I want to make sure that a person wasn't wearing it when they shot somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Or how about the door that he supposedly used to beat her head in basically Mm. like would you not take some of the door to make sure that that lines up with the wound that is on her head just to make sure that he's telling the truth the front and back because she has blunt force trauma also to the front of the head which me and Krista are both convinced is the actual cause of death like you cannot tell me it takes that much time and effort to compare the butt of the gun to the wound on her head or the corner of the door to the wound on her head to make sure they match. I I just don't understand that. It just seems lazy to me. Um, people who try to frame this case as a suicide, though, do point to do point to the fact that. Um, a few months, I believe it was, before this. Um, actually happened Martha didn't attempt suicide but she made a claim that she wanted to kill herself now I don't know about you but I can 100% tell you that this was a cry for help oh it's textbook and it's not somebody who really wants to die Mm -mm. it is someone who is in an emotional spot where she feels like she has nothing left good in this world and she's so frustrated and so angry that she said something out of anger because you cannot tell me that you've never said something out of anger and i maybe this is just childhood trauma coming out but you cannot tell me that you've never once in your life said i want to kill myself because someone wasn't paying attention to you or someone wasn't you were just in a bad spot and you really didn't want to kill yourself You just... Because let's get real for a minute. Needed. Let's get real for a minute and we'll talk... Mental health is important. Remember we mentioned that on our first episode. Um, Therapy is okay. Uh, People that want to kill themselves, they kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Shocker. All right? That's harsh. That's blunt to say. But they do it. 
They just want to get out of here. They want all those emotions gone. They don't know what else to do. The ones that say it, they are asking you for help. They are literally saying, no, like Crystal said, I don't want to kill myself, but I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what Martha was doing. And they still didn't listen to her. And, in fact, she does end up getting evaluated. And, surprise, surprise, they said that she was non-suicidal and that this was just the result of her being in a high-stress environment that caused her to feel helpless. So, no, she wasn't suicidal. She was stressed and probably very depressed and anxious and feeling very hopeless. But that doesn't mean that she wanted to die. It, It just... She's stuck in this house. Her children are grown. They live on their own. Yes, she has grandkids, but they obviously live with her children and it's just her and this man that beats her every day under one roof. So, in the Crime Watch Daily episode, the coroner mentions that while he knew that Dennis was abusive, and that he knew he was abusive, but that it would take a very smart person to kill her and make it look like a suicide, and that he knew that Dennis wasn't very smart. Well, honestly, I feel like that's bullcrap, to be completely honest. Um, He made it nearly 43 years into their marriage, beating on his wife and kids and getting away with it. And never once seeing jail time. Uh, So, I'm sorry, but if you can do that, you're pretty smart. And obviously, he is pretty smart because to this day, it's almost 2021, and he's not in jail. He's living his happy life. So, I'm not saying, because I can't accuse someone of a crime... And I can't say matter-of-factly that he did it. But if you look at the evidence, it's pretty clear. The fact that, um, I'll wait, because I don't know if you're about to talk about that. About what? Um, four months, not even four months later, yeah. getting married and moving in with the woman that his wife was accusing him of having an affair with, that he said he wasn't having an affair with. Yeah, that's not suspicious. People do move on. People do move yes, on. That's um, fine. But your your wife literally just committed suicide because you beat her every day and you marry someone else not even four months later and you now share a home together. Yeah, that's 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 normal. That's and your kids no longer speak to you and beg you every day just to admit that you did it. That's a hundred percent normal. Didn't you know that? How does this I mean, how does this woman like comfortably lay in bed next to someone that maybe maybe but you have to know that somewhere in her mind she has to wonder did he do it i mean yeah and like maybe she does think he's innocent maybe all maybe your wife was very depressed and good herself but her their children don't talk to their father anymore and they literally come to your house and ask you to please admit it and you still can lay next to him each night in bed it's disgusting to me honestly and i Mm. I don't like it. I don't like it. So, Denissa and her sister were out of the house at the time um, when her father called them saying that her mother killed herself. But Denissa recalls telling the police right away that her father did it. She didn't even know really know what happened. She didn't know events surrounding it. She just knew that her father caused this. And I think that's pretty powerful. If you don't know anything, anything else surrounding the events, but you know without a doubt that your father did it. They grew up watching their father brutally beat 
her. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's obviously going to be the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. I mean, and they knew, they knew that their mom was saving up to leave him and move out. Why would she just, why would she throw all that away? She and finally was about to get away. She, I, 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 this is a no-brainer. It's just, yeah, it's a no-brainer. So, Dennis's insistence has driven her um, to fight to solve this case for nearly 10 years now. Um, she's contacted several experts all across the country at her own expense. She's paying to figure this case out. She's not... She's just busting her butt to figure it out, basically. Um, she spends tons of hours, thousands of her own dollars, making copies of reports, looking at pictures of her mom dead on the ground, studying pictures of her mom. Can you just imagine the emotional toll that that takes on a person to look at your mom? I feel like, like it, that. it's been so long and she's probably done so much research that she's just numb to it. But also... Denissa is Denissa's the daughter that we all we all desire to have. I don't have a daughter or be or be, but like Denissa has one hundred percent been devoted to her mom even after death and oh, continues 100%. to be. Um, so very much respect to Denissa. Very much so. Now I know that at one point there was a Facebook group that I kept hearing and reading about called justice for martha i believe is the name of it and this was where a lot of info could be um directed if you had any info about the case i have looked for that um group and i cannot find it anywhere um so i don't know if it's been deactivated if it's hidden or what so i have no idea if you want to learn more about this case i highly suggest looking up the web sleuth um post that Nissa has made. She has talked nationwide with different crime shows such as True Crime Daily um, to talk about her story. The podcast um, that I mentioned at the beginning, um, Impact Statements, has a lot of really good one-on-one conversations that she's had and basically she just kind of makes a case for her mom. Um, I really suggest you going out doing some research of your own on this case um, and making your own opinion and letting us know what you think. Um, I don't think I could have found a more perfect first case for our first local one. Mm-hmm. I honestly had no idea about this even happening. This um, was this was great, but not in, the, not in the sense you guys think I'm talking about, but it was just, it was a, just a good starting point for us. It was refreshing to research because... It made me and Crystal think about things, and it really put us in the, like, spot of being a detective, being a coroner. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, we could be those things. Um, but, yeah, it was it was interesting, to say the least. Yeah. And I found a couple of po- photos that I'll post online on our Instagram to kind of go along with today's episode. That if you want to check out for yourself, you can. Um, I think... They'll help you make up your mind on which way you lean. Oh, did I also tell you, strangely enough, this murder also happened within two miles of my house. 
We, so creepy thing, we've discovered <laughs> since we started this journey together, not only have we done a lot of stuff from my home state, which is Florida, but a lot of the stuff we've done also has happened here in Shreveport, very close to Crystal's home. And I don't live in a bad neighborhood. She really doesn't. I love her street. I love her house. It's just so cute. And apparently, um, crime has no I, specific <laughs> yeah. location. So, yeah, I'm just going to try to find my next case not close to i'm gonna try to find something for us that isn't in florida but shocker most of it happens in florida yeah basically well we appreciate you guys listening hope you enjoyed this episode um if you're a new listener make sure to rate us five stars wherever you're listening tell your friends send a screenshot of you listening and send it to everybody you know i don't care just spread the word get some Get the true crime lover in your life interested. Even though we don't just do true crime. We do a plethora of stuff. And I actually had um, somebody mention that to me last night. I was actually mentioning our podcast and they came and listened to it for the first time. And they were like, I really like that you guys do everything. It's like I get a little something new each week. And I was like, that was literally what we were going for. Yeah, because true crime, everybody does true crime podcasts now. That's, That's great. And a lot of people do paranormal, and a lot of people do conspiracy theories. Well, I'm tired of having 15 different podcasts that I can listen to. I kind of just... Like I said, I have ADHD, and I'm tired of bouncing in between things. So sometimes I want to hear ghost stories. Sometimes I want to hear true crime. Sometimes I want to listen to conspiracy. And my library on my Apple Podcast app is... It's ridiculous. It's big. So I'm going to plug a small podcast that I think everyone would actually enjoy. They probably don't know who they are, know who we are, even though they do follow us on Instagram. And that's how they found them. It's the cutest name. It's called, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to look it up again, but I'm pretty sure it's called Fancy Town Crimes. I think you're right, yeah. And it is the cutest thing ever. It's very adorable, and they just talk about crimes in fancy towns. Mm -hmm. And shout out to them, because we actually just hit over 50 followers on our Instagram page. So whoop whoop. So thanks, you guys. And I have listened to your podcast, and I actually really enjoyed it. So Go give them a follow. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's all we got for you today. We will talk to you next week. Bye, guys.